Hello and welcome to episode 316 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR and we are coming off of a hashtag how rich week, a shout out to me week, full 3.9 inches, full blown pants off intercourse kind of week. Yes, that's right. Me, your humble narrator. Your humble King GPP, bro, got second in the big $250 buy-in on FanDuel Sunday. That paid $250,000 US dollars. Pretty insane, obviously. Um, it, it's really crazy because when I started playing DFS seriously in you know, 2014, 2015, I played around 95 to 100% of my action in cash. You know, And about three years ago, I started mixing in more tournaments, you know, maybe 80% cash and 20% tournaments. And then the last couple of years, I've really, really been trying hard to get better at tournaments to devote more of my time and mind space to them. You know, a lot of weeks now, you know, this season, I have 60% of my action in cash and 40% in tournaments. But sometimes, you know, if I don't sell any high stakes head to heads, it turns into 60, 40 in favor of tournaments. So like, of course, anytime you're trying really hard at something, you know, anything in life, um, as I've been with tournaments the last couple of years, anytime you're trying really hard at something, anytime you've dedicated your life to something, which sounds pathetic, but, you know, I've been playing slash working in fantasy for 20 plus years. I've been living and breathing DFS for the last six. You know, it's really an amazing feeling to have it pay off and get a big result. And, and that's not to say that, the money doesn't matter, you know, or I don't care about the money. It's obviously an incredible amount of money. And I've been grinding my cock off for, for so long and, and so intensely at sometimes really small edges and at times probably being too cutthroat and too much pressure on myself. So I, of course, you know, the money matters, but, you know, let, let's be honest about the money. I, you know, I, I had the unprotected intercourse, you know, I, I live in the burbs with two kids you know, what am I going to do with the money? I'm going to order extra breadsticks at Maggiano's. I'm going to upgrade my Honda Pilot, you know, from the, from the EXL to the Touring. You know, I'm going to get nicer shin guards for my kids. Um, you know, uh, all jokes aside, I've put my family through a lot for DFS. You know, like I am completely gone every Sunday during the season, you know, uh, up at 5 a.m. And I don't emerge from... My office, I used to have a WeWork, but now I have, you know, an office in my house. I don't emerge until the games are over. And, and that's that's tough for sure. You know, obviously the kids are off school on, on Sundays. And I don't really go out on Saturday nights because I have to be up so early for the slate. And, you know, my kids, they come into my office when I'm writing sex jokes. You know, they want to play. Oh, daddy, can you play? Can you play? I have to tell them I can't. You know, I, I, I'm busy with very serious and, and important work, you know, just breaks their heart. So yeah, you know, perhaps in some way this score makes it all worth it. Of course, it would have been far more worth it had my team scored 0.5 more points because then I would have won a million dollars instead of 250K. The guy who won the million, Ataros, is actually an established the run subscriber slash listener, which is crazy. But, you know, we only had two guys different on each of our teams, 2v2. I had Jamar Chase and Rex Burkhead. He had Tyler Boyd and Damian Harris. Chase had a chance to get a catch on the last drive, which 
would have been insane, but wasn't meant to be. So big shout out to Ataros, who won this for a million. And he also won the FanDuel Live Final for 500000 or so. Uh, sick run for him. Big congrats, man. Uh, a ton of people asked how tilted I was to lose 750K by 0.4 points. And yeah, obviously it's tough. And, and I was a bit steamed uh, for sure. You know, the chances that I get that close to shipping a million again are, are you know, really quite very slim. But honestly, you know, it's not hard for me to shake it off by just zooming out, you know, like, yeah, I ran quote unquote bad this time. But man, I've run so pure in my entire life in so many different ways, you know, I don't have time to go through all the ways that I've run hot in my life now. But, you know, starting with being born to two amazing supportive parents in middle class United States of America, I mean, that's like hitting the stone cold lotto right there. And, and yeah, you know, I, I was playing poker seriously before the Chris Moneymaker poker boom. You know, that was so, so fortunate. I, and I was among the first people tweeting about fantasy football before Twitter really blew up. And that was some sun running also. You know, I was working in fantasy and DFS when I was working in fantasy when DFS popped up you know, and that just dumped, you know, ungodly amounts of money on the industry, like seemingly out of nowhere. And, and honestly, that really changed my life. So my point is that I've been sun running for so long that it would truly be a crime for me to complain about anything, you know, ever. Um, but especially it would be a crime for me to complain about this, you know, a quote unquote bad beat, which wasn't even really a bad beat, you know, in fantasy football. Anyway, uh, I want to get to the team. Um, so each week I make one cash team, aka when I say cash team, I mean the team that I play in all my head-to-heads and double-ups. And then I also make, you know, four to eight uh, tournament teams. You know, I, I don't build these teams on Friday. I don't build them on my phone. I don't build them on the fucking toilet. You know, I don't build them with an optimizer. I build them Sunday morning at my desktop computer by hand, like an alpha. And typically I enter these teams in higher stakes, smallish field stuff on both DraftKings and FanDuel, you know, usually field sizes around anywhere from 100 to 500 people, you know, typically only single entry and three max. But this week was the FanDuel Fan Championship. And I actually look forward to this tournament each year because FanDuel runs so many small stakes satellites to it all season. There are just a ton of weaker players in the tournament. And then, you know, you can buy in for 250 an entry, you know, typically you don't get million makers at that price point. You know, the bottom line is that like, it's an event I think I have a really good expectation in every year. So I put six teams in it uh, this year, which was fortunate, honestly, because if I had only done three or four teams, I actually don't think I would have included a Joe Burrow double in my first three or four. Um, Well, I, I would have included the Joe Burrow double if Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson we're starting like that would have been a priority stack for me if those two were starting. But with Josh Johnson starting for the Ravens, I did think the Burrow stuff was a bit weaker as there was a chance, you know, that Burrow wouldn't be pushed. But with six teams, I was definitely including Burrow doubles here for the ceiling at such low prices. And also other people are thinking that with the Josh, Josh Johnson stuff, you know, I'm not going to play the Burrow stuff as much. So, you know, get an ownership discount. You know, such good prices on FanDuel for all of them, Burrow, T, 
and Jamar Chase. So with 16s, I was definitely playing that. You know, Ravens so banged up in the secondary. They're giving up so many big plays deep downfield. They're still really good in rush defense. Just like a perfect setup for both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Also, you know, Joe Burrow doesn't really run. He doesn't really throw to the tight end or the running back a ton. Just the perfect guy to double stack. As for the bring back, you know, I want to be clear on Mark Andrews. He was not a good value at $8,000 on FanDuel. That's just like a massive price for someone with Josh Johnson at quarterback in a shaky matchup. But I knew that I had to bring it back with a Joe Burrow double. Like you just have to, you know, if the Ravens don't do anything, Burrow could throw, you know, 26 passes, 23 passes in this game. The Bengals are not like the Bucks or the Bills. You know, they don't throw in all situations. So while Mark Andrews had really poor base value at AK, obviously his ceiling is massive. And I didn't want to waste the wide receiver spot on the bring back, you know, like a low PSM guy like Marquise Brown. It just had to be Mark Andrews. Also correlating the tight end spot is something I try to do where it makes sense because tight end spot is, you know, so painful anyways. But obviously, obviously the key to the lineup was not only Mark Andrews, but Rex Burkhead. And this one feels really good because, you know, Rex Burkhead was both a micro and a macro play, you know, first on the micro with all the injuries and the COVID stuff going on and Christmas last week, it would have been really easy to miss that David Johnson was scratched over the weekend for the Texans, you know, but of course we don't miss stuff like that. You know, it's always reflected in our projections. Shout out to us. Um, anyways, you know, that left them with only Royce Freeman and Jalen Samuels behind Rex. And honestly, Rex had a really good role, even when DJ has been active lately. So with DJ scratched, I mean, we had a really good projection on Rex Burkhead. He's facing the COVID decimated chargers. That team dares you to run anyways, you know, and, and that's the micro stuff. From a macro sense on Rex Burkhead, this doesn't have to be hard. You know, Rex was our fourth best salary adjusted value at running back. All you had to do was go to our FanDuel projections, sort by value at running back. Rex was fourth best. Yet we had his projected ownership at 5%. And I think in this, he came in like 3%. You know, and, and this is just, if you go back and listen to last week's solo pod, it's the exact same thing I talked about with Will Sue and the Tyler Huntley play. You know, really good value-based projection, really low ownership. And, and, you know, it's not always going to work out, of course. And there's a lot more nuance that, than that that we can talk about. And I've talked about with Leone yesterday on the review show and talked about so many other times. But just at a high level, you can be pretty damn sure it's a good tournament play if we have a guy as a top five value at his position, but his projected ownership is under 10%, you know, period, full stop. Um, one other key to the team was Eagles defense. And, you know, um, one note on defense, Brandon Thorne's work has been so, so, so valuable for us. And I, I had so much salary space this week. I mean, everybody had so much salary space this week. It was crazy how much value there was. And so Thorne had Eagles defensive line versus Giants offensive line as his second biggest mismatch of the week in the article, you know, behind only Bucks versus Panthers offensive line. And the Giants were starting Jake Fromm. So paying up a bit at defense, you know, spending 5K on FanDuel for Eagles defense, um, getting them a single digit ownership, that made a huge difference as well. One other thing I'd say is that, you know, with a lot of really strong and obvious values in week 16, like Justin Jackson, Ronald Jones, Cooper Cup, I had all those guys in my lineup. I knew I had to get off the board some, you know, I couldn't play like Justin Jackson, Ronald Jones, Cooper Cup, and Alexander Madison. 
you know, couldn't play Cooper Cup with Antonio Brown. Just too much cumulative ownership, you know, no leverage. So Rex was just the perfect play, you know, like never excited about clicking Rex, but just perfect here, you know, and he correlated with Justin Jackson a little bit. But yeah, I know I'm going, you know, too deep into the DFS virginity here. Um, this is like the kind of stuff that we talked about yesterday with Leone that we talk about and we're thinking about on shows and writing about each week. Um, don't have to do it here. Anyway, good time for a note from corporate that we are running a rest of season sale. Get the final two weeks of the regular season plus the four playoff weeks for just 75 bucks. Ridiculously low price. I'm actually tilted about it, but whatever. Um, okay, a couple of final things here before we move on. First, uh, it is absolutely zero coincidence that my tournament results have spiked significantly since we started ETR. Like, I, I can't explain. It, no one would believe me how hard Mike Leone and Mark Dankin bring the guys who lead our NFL projections. Like, you wouldn't believe how hard these guys are grinding their respective cocks off. Like they might actually have nothing left, like maybe one inch if they're lucky. You know, with all the COVID stuff combined with all the injuries, you know, what they're doing each week to get the volume inputs correct, you know, and what I mean by volume inputs is, you know, how much of the rushing and passing market share will Rex Burkhead get versus Royce Freeman this week? Like doing that for every position, every single team through all this COVID stuff, it, it's just incredible. You know, so big shout out to them. Also, just getting, talk, getting to talk to Evan about football three to four times a week on pods and shows for the last three years, um, just a massive edge, you know, undeniable. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, tournament specific. I mean, established a million with Leone and Drew Dinkmeyer. I listen every week. I'm so glad we started that show and, and not for specific plays. Um, I know people like the flag plants bit and stuff, not for specific plays, but just to get better at how to think about strategy around a specific slate. Um, second, I want to be very clear that a lot of times in fantasy tournaments or poker tournaments, you know, you never, your entire life, you never realize your equity. In other words, yeah, like I think I'm plus EV in the, you know, the FanDuel tournament I just played. But I could play it a thousand times and literally never get a top three finish. Like that is well within a normal range of outcomes. There's just like a ton of variance in tournaments that you have to be willing to accept. And, and it can be hard mentally for sure. So like, of course, I think I play well, but I could play well and lose in large field tournaments for six months straight or a year or more. You know, I, I am in no way entitled to run into the stone cold nuts or close to it, like I did on Sunday. So just really, 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 really fortunate, really lucky, and really grateful. Um, you know, I got like literally hundreds of messages from people over the last couple of days, obviously a lot of notes from people that I know or I've known in my life, but I also got a ton from complete strangers on Twitter, you know, just people saying, uh, they follow me for a long time. They appreciate whatever help I've given them. Uh, they've laughed at my stupid jokes I've done on here, you know, and they're just happy for me, which is really cool. You know, not all of social media is a cesspool. You know, I've really had an incredibly, incredibly positive experience on Twitter with my beloved internet friends. And 
And I appreciate you all. Okay. Think I've said it all, or at least what I want to say right now. I'm actually uh, still on vacation with my family in Florida. So this week's listener questions were pre-recorded before I left last week. I'll get to some fresh ones next week. You know, uh, next week I'll, I'll be happy to answer any questions about this score or, or anything else. All right. With that, producer Luke, let's get to those pre-recorded and perverted listener questions. Question one from Bowtie Daxi. He says, I bought one of the ETR shirts that have run the damn ball on the back and brought it to the gym yesterday. In the locker room, I was approached by a stone boomer that said the Bears need to do that more and he likes my shirt. I awkwardly nodded. How would you have handled this? Yeah, so Bowtie is missing the thesis of the play here. You know, this is perfect. In a country that is so divided, so hateful to each other about everything, you know, politics, religion, race, this shirt, this shirt is what brings us all together. Whether you are a stone boomer or a spreadsheet virgin, you identify with the run the damn ball shirt. So when this boom comes up to you and says the Bears need to run the ball more, you guys have connected. You have bonded. You understand where each other is coming from. And that's what we need right now. And we need some empathy, some understanding in society. You know, we need to not take everything so seriously. We need regression to the center. You know, Levitan Silva for president, 2024. Why not? Question two from Bad Andy. He says, how do you justify paying the 15 plus percent rake in MME tournaments and nearly that much in cash? As a former poker bro, it makes my skin crawl. Feels like a ripoff, even if you're still plus EV. I mean, yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from, Andy. And, and believe me, like I'm as rake conscious as anyone. I think anyone taking this game seriously has to be rake conscious. Um, reminds me of a funny story. I, I was living in New York and uh, I got into a home game there uh, for the first time, you know, a poker game in an apartment. And this was a really long time ago, probably 10 years ago. So I get into this home game. It's like a friend of a friend. And I sit down and I notice a dealer is just raking, I mean, tons out of the pot. Like the game was not big and they were taking 25, 50 bucks out of each pot. And, and you know, I never really played home games for a lot of reasons, but I, I hardly ever played home games. I don't, I don't really know the etiquette. So I'd said something like I, I wasn't being a dick. I was just like, hey. Uh, what, what's the rake, uh, in this game? And the dude running the game, you know, pulls me to the side. He was clearly pissed. You know, obviously I could never got invited back, but, but anyways, back, back to DFS. So one thing about higher stakes is the rake is lower, right? Like you can get as low as 6% rake in high stakes stuff. Typically, you know, nine to 10% as you get up above the hundred, $200 range in buy-ins. And yeah, I mean, that makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, of course at, at low stakes and in the lottos, yeah, it's 15%. And yeah, I, I agree. That makes my skin crawl. You know, it's really, really hard to grind a profit at 15% rake. But I would say two things. First, the low stakes, massive field stuff is not for grinding, right? Like if you're trying to grind out a profit hard, like, you know, the low stakes, massive field stuff is not it. It's for fun. You know, it's trying to turn 20 into a million like Will did. Um, you know, Will from last week. You know, it's not likely that's going to happen. You know, maybe it's a negative EV bet at this much rake. But it's possible, you know, and like as I've gotten older, I've tried to realize that not everything is for grinding, you know, like some gambling can legit just be for fun. And the second thing I'd say is that, yeah, you know, the rake is 15% in the Millie Maker. 
but the field is so, so, so soft. Like there's so many lineups in there that are just stone dead. And so, you know, if 5% of the field, and it's probably more than this, but if like 5% of the field is stone cold dead, then the effective rake is obviously way less. So yeah. Question three from Ross. He says, will ETR do a college football bowl pick them sub? Yeah, I'm not really sure where this idea came from, Ross. Like, you know, we don't bet spreads and we don't follow college football really outside of like looking for NFL prospects. But I do think that these kind of games like college bowl pool, I think these kind of games are fascinating, generally speaking, you know, um, survivor, confidence pools, bowl pools, March Madness, super contest type stuff. Like that stuff is so fun because it's a little bit like DFS, you know, it's both a strategy game and it's a sports game. And, and I think those games are going to keep getting more popular, keep getting bigger. You know, I played the super contest on DraftKings this year it was a million dollars to first. I could see it getting way bigger. Um, I did the sports betting national championship a couple of years ago. It, it was super cool. So yeah, I, I think in the future, uh, yeah, I think ETR, I think we should and want to cover stuff like that if we can do it well. Question four from Ned. He says, surely you've heard of cancel culture. Do you think America has a complain culture problem? I feel like all people do is complain about shit on TV and social media. Yeah, you know, of course, of course. Um, I don't do a lot of real parenting because like, you know, I'm a disaster and, and barely an adult. But the one thing I do is I, is I talk to my kids about no excuses, like never about anything. Like uh, my six-year-old was playing soccer in the fall. You know, other kids are bitching because it's too hot. You know, it's too cold. It's raining. I'm tired. I'm hurt. You know, and my kid is out there powering through it all because I've told him, you know, we make no excuses. You know, we are mentally stronger. Conditions are the same for everyone. You know, the difference is that we don't care about outside factors. We don't let that affect us. We play hard no matter what. And obviously that's just sports, but I really do think that attitude is like a winning attitude for school, career, business, you know, everything in life. And, and yeah, you know, social media is littered, littered with whining losers complaining about everything under the sun. But, but that's why Twitter is so great. You know, you don't have to consume it all. I, I, I have lists of people, like the only people that I actually, whose Twitter I see is if they're just giving information, you know, no takes. You know, I, I never go on Facebook. I never go on Instagram. I'm not looking for social interaction on social media. I'm looking for information and, and jokes, but I'm looking for information mostly on Twitter, you know, period. And I know so many people like scroll social media. They, they read the political replies. You know, I, I just don't get it. Like, I'm pretty certain that it's a massive, massive net, neg net negative in your life to do that. Like, you just don't have to do it. So I'd recommend uh, the documentary Social Dilemma um, if, you're, if you're interested in, in more about, you know, social media and, and some of the mess that's going on. Question five from Armand. He says, with all the Snapple that you drink, plus the stress of making your bookshelf look so much better, have you been getting a yearly physical? If not, will you once you turn 40? Yeah, the, this Snapple thing, man, it's bad. I probably averaged uh, one peach Snapple a day since college. Like, they are so fucking good. It's ridiculous. There's nothing like drinking a peach Snapple in the morning. It just like cuts right through everything. I can feel it like go right into my belly. It's so good. And I'm undoubtedly addicted. The problem is that in one peach Snapple bottle, there are 40 grams of sugar. That's 79% of the daily recommended sugar intake in one drink. 
one snap. I mean, that's insanity. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, like I got a physical recently, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, worst thing I could ever do is just wake up one day with some horribly deadly disease that could have been a non-issue or an easy fix if the docs had found it earlier, you know, like health is wealth, man. Like, you know, we're out here grinding our cocks off. None of it matters at all. If you're not healthy, I I really believe that. And I think people kind of don't realize it until like they are sick and they realize, oh man, you know. I, that time when I was healthy, I, I should have done X, Y, Z, you know, it's hard, but I, I think being preventative on, on your health is absolute no brainer. All right. Question six, last question we're going to do today from Jeff. He says, Hey Adam, been trying to get on the podcast for months. Dating question. What can I talk about on dates with a girl that's not related to DFS gambling and the hashtag team that may get her interested in talking to me? This is probably a really bad question for me as I haven't been on a date since like 2005 or something. But I mean, come on, bro. Like we aren't talking about DFS and gambling or any, you know, hashtag team jokes on initial dates with women. Like I haven't tested this in the field, but I would think that the GTO strategy is easy, right? Like you just ask them questions, you know, all about them. You're interested in her mom, her family, her job, you know, the fucking relationship between Mr. Big and Carrie, you know, whatever. You know, I I think they actually did that bit in 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is, by the way, is one of the great cinematic achievements of our generation. It's just so, so, so good. But, um, you know, they did that bit in the movie. You know, you ask the questions and then you just listen, you know, and you'd be super interested. Easy game. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of the Solo pod. Hope you all had a great Christmas. Hope you have a great New Year's. Stay safe out there. For producer Luke, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.